Welcome to the QAV podcast for the week of the 24th of July 2023. This is episode 630. This is the free version of episode 630, the taste tester version, the entree version. For those of you that aren't QAV club members yet, QAV club members obviously get the full version each week along with many other benefits. If you're new to our podcast, welcome. My name's Cameron Riley. I'm the co-host of the podcast with my good friend, Tony Kynaston, who is a long-term value investor. Tony's been investing for 30 odd years, very, very successful, very, very rich, made his money out of investing. And he has a system that we call QAV, quality at value, basically buying shares in good quality companies with a long track record of producing a lot of cash, but only buying them when you can get them at a discount to their intrinsic value. And we teach our club members how to do that, how to follow Tony's system. This week on the free episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about a couple of recent news items in the financial review about what's going on in the stock market, both here and in the US. And then Tony's going to do what we call a pulled pork, which is a deep dive, this time inspired by some real pork that he was eating at his property down at Cape Shank. And uh, this week he is doing it on a company that we've talked about in the past, but it's been uh, quite a while, a few years, Kena Securities, KSL. So with that, let's get into the free version of episode 630. I just noticed before we went to air that the AFR was running the list of the top 10 super funds for FY 23, 22-23. And again, it's just the annual reminder for me that super funds really struggle to meet the index over the long term. <laughs> this is the chart from the Fin and their sources, a mob called Super Ratings. Top 10 balanced option over 10 years, percent per annum. The number one ranked fund is Plus, Host Plus with their balanced option, 8.9 per annum over 10 years. That's the number one. Then you've got Australian Super, my super fund. Their balanced option, 8.6 per year over 10 years. And it goes down from there. So not particularly inspiring. Yeah. So what I was going to say is, I mean, balanced funds are there because people worry as they're getting close to retirement that, that the share market could crash. And so the idea is that these particular funds are balanced across shares and other asset classes, bonds, property, these days, a lot of unlisted assets, which I think is another issue altogether. So if the share market does crash, then you're not going to lose your retirement savings in a big way. However, last time the share market crashed, so did the balanced funds because everything else went down. Right? So yeah. it's, it's, I, I think it's, the, it's a great furphy myself. And the better strategy, you know, if, if you were getting close to retirement and were worried about preserving some of your capital was to was to you know work out something you did feel comfortable with like real estate or whatever and get out of the share market get out of balance funds and put it into something you did think was suitable to your risk appetite um why anyone would go into a balance fund has always beat me because they underperformed the index and you could have been buying a share market etf and, and getting well, i was an going to ask return. you why are yeah. these people just buying etfs exactly well, they can't charge fees if they do, they do that. No, but why aren't the... Fee. I know some of these super funds are employment-related, 
their industry funds, mm-hmm. but even the people running the industry funds, can't they just take everyone's, mm-hmm. all of their employees' money and just put it in an ETF and then go home? Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. And even if they were, you know, even if you get questions from your members about, oh, the US stock market's bigger than the Australian stock market, buy two index funds. <laughs> it's not hard, especially if you're young and you're starting out. Like I said, like, I understand people who are in their 50s or 60s and thinking I'm about to retire, I don't want to face a big loss when I'm starting to live off the earnings. But even then, the Sabatino effect or principle, whatever you want to call it, where you put your money in an index fund and forget about the capital, it can go up and down, but they always pay dividends. They've never hmm. stopped paying dividends and they never will. So, you know, do that. It's just, hmm. but if you're starting out in, in your career, don't put your money in a balanced fund. But super funds generally have a growth option, which is better. That's the one probably to benchmark against the, the index. And if that's not achieving index returns, then definitely put it into an index fund. Mm. This this article that I looked at today just had the balanced funds. It didn't yeah. show anything else. So yeah, right. I can't. I don't have anything to compare with. But I do have another article from the Fin. This is in Chanticleer, July twenty fourth. So yesterday, why the ASX is stuck in a trading dead zone. I partly like that because it reminded me of the old great Christopher Walken film, The Dead Zone, mm. which I rewatched Martin again Shane a few years well. ago. Yeah, great film, isn't it? All the uncertainty as investors sitting tight trying to work out what's going on before making any substantial trades. It goes on to say, it's a bit quiet out there on equities desks. How quiet? Summer holidays quiet. Repeated mm-hmm. days with only $5 billion or $5.5 billion in Australian shares traded, which is about 20% less than last year. Everyone has pulled their heads in. Institutional investors are sitting on winners longer and trading less. Sounds like they're listening to QAV. Retail mm. investors look fatigued, although still don't mind the red-hot lithium names. They would be unhappy if they were in CXO. <laughs> and the big superannuation and pension funds seem more interested in buying bonds. Just ask Australian Super. It's a six-month story. The market never really sparked back up after the last summer break. Why? Because no one knows what to do, according to Bell Potter's Richard Coppelson, who has watched volumes closely for years for a read on investor sentiment. He says it all boils down to the prospects of a US recession. Major institutions globally have followed the same recession playbook for years, and that playbook says the economy should be contracting. The usual indicators all light up, bank failures, high interest rates, for example, but the recession is yet to hit. That playbook has been thrown off course by a hot jobs market, which is a hangover from labor shortages caused by the COVID-19 pandemic and has kept the economy bubbling along, which gives first the economy or the jobs market. So it goes on, but that's part of the explanation. We've talked about these things before, obviously, but just more grist for the mill. Our market's been doing nothing for a long time. Yeah, because no one, no one, everyone who's trying to predict what's happening can't uh, predict it, and and therefore they're sitting on their hands waiting to see what happens. So, in the meantime, the market's up, and uh, people who've been fully invested are saying, "Thank you, so long, suckers. Just go and buy some bonds. Off you go. <laughs> Leave us alone." But yeah. it comes back to prediction. Like the whole central core of that argument was, no one knows what to do because they think a recession is coming. Well, the recession's always coming. It's just, is it next year, the year after, or this year? No one ever knows. Yeah, that's true. What do they say? 
economists have predicted uh, 10 out of the last two recessions or something like that. Yeah, yeah, nine out of the last seven. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and we may go into recession, but, you know, have a system that takes that into account, for goodness sake. These are, these are meant to be professional investors. Yeah, but that's the And they're thing sitting that... on their hands. What am I paying yeah. you to do? <laughs> yeah. It's a thing that always boggles my mind. Like, what is going on? Why are these people getting paid millions of dollars? Well, and the reason is because what generally happens in the fund management industry is that if you take a risk and you get and you it goes against you, instead of people saying, "Oh, that was a mistake," but your long-term returns are good, they leave you in droves. They take their money out and put it somewhere else. So, therefore, fund managers hug the index and don't want to be seen to stick their head up and have it shot off. Which is, Mm. you know, they're being paid to take risk. For goodness' sake, you've got to accept that they may get some wrong occasionally. Speaking of the market having a good month or so, our, as I've been saying to a few people, like in my experience doing this in the last four years or so, it seems to me that when the market's doing badly, when it's turbulent, we go along with it. We have a rough time. Hopefully we don't go down as much as the market. Sometimes we underperform. But when the market's having a good time, we have a good time. We go up as well. Not as well, perhaps, as the hot tech stocks or the crypto stocks or the crypto or whatever. We don't get uh, shoot the lights out, crazy performance across our portfolio, but it's nice and healthy and steady uh, during the, the boom cycles, the bullish cycles. Just in the last month, the last 30 days, according to Navex, our dummy portfolio is up 7.29% per annum versus the STW in the same period, which is up 3.8%. So we're doing the last 30 days, the market's been healthy. We've done about two times the STW over that period. Comes and goes in cycles, right? When are the, yeah. We have our good cycles and then we have our not so good cycles, but the good cycles tend to negate the bad cycles. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly what the stock market does over the long term. Mm. You look at a graph of 100 years, it's from the bottom left to the top right of the page. Mm. Um, there's lots of squiggles in between, but that's, you know, over your lifetime, that's how it, how it goes. And, you know, and sometimes you said before that we generally, you know, follow the market up and down, and we kind of do, but because we're tethered to the market. But I have had years where the market has gone negative and I've gone positive. That's not unusual as well. Right. Because, because you know, but the nature of value investing is we're buying stocks which the market doesn't like. And then they come good and we can be holding those even though the market's dropping. Like gold stocks, for example. That's the classic, the classic one. The market can be going down, which means people have, well, in the past anyway had, had gone for a safe haven and they bought gold. So price of gold went up and the gold miners improved. So I've seen that many times in the market. I look forward to uh, seeing one of those cycles. <laughs> Meanwhile, I just have to live with the squiggles. I think it's a fish, this <laughs> chain. Turn it upside down, Miss Jane. I think it's a fish with a hat on, smoking a cigar. Indeed. Another article in the Fin that I found interesting. This is this morning, actually. A crucial $40 trillion week looms for high-flying stocks. It's shaping up to be a pivotal week for global stocks as companies with a combined $27, US dollars, $27 trillion US dollar market value gear up to report quarterly earnings. As Netflix and Tesla showed last week, the pressure is on to deliver or face a sharp sell-off coming into the season 
Investors were focused on bets that central banks would stop raising interest rates soon and the US economy could avoid a contraction. Looking past a steady whittling down of near-term earnings estimates, they lifted the MCSI All Country World Index's year-to-date gains past 15%. And at almost 20 times forward earnings, the S&P 500 is trading at a premium to its long-term price valuation. What's Buffett's metric on the PE of the S&P? There's a couple. One is the 10-year average. I think he wanted it to be around more like 16 rather than 20. Mm. And then there's one where he compares the size of the market to GDP from memory as well. And if it gets ahead of GDP, he doesn't like it. So 20 times sounds expensive. Not not overly. I don't know what the average is in the US. Australia, it's about 16. The US might be slightly higher. So it's it's a little bit over. Okay. But like a few years ago, it was 30. So Oh, really? Come yeah, back. Okay. Mm. Okay. It says more than 500 major companies worldwide will reveal how they fared this quarter and how they expect coming months to shape up. In the busiest week of the season, earnings reports will flow from the likes of Microsoft, Google, Parent Alphabet, LVMH, Banco, Santander, Volkswagen, Airbus, Sanofi. We should expect a little bit of fun and games in the market while these companies, nothing to do with Australia directly, but no doubt it'll have an impact on the Australian market in some way, shape or form. Well, it will. And it's one of those, it's the US reports quarterly and we report six monthly, but we're coming into our reporting season. Officially, mm-hmm. it's starting 1st of August, which is next week. Uh, some right. companies will start to report. We'll probably see a couple of early birds out of the gates um, this week. Uh, but it's going to be an important reporting season because six months ago in Australia, we, you know, there was less talk of recession. Interest rates weren't as high and we were still awash with COVID cash. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. We've Confession season has shone shine a light on discretionary retail in particular, and we've seen those stocks come off. I mean, the market has been tricky up and down, but you know, generally by now, I would have thought if the market was expecting horrendous results in, in the Australian context anyway, it would have factored that into the share price and it would be a lot lower than what it is now. So yeah, who knows what will happen. There could be some, there is always surprises in reporting season. We'll, we'll see. But I guess my point is we can't do anything about it except be diligent over the next four weeks and adjust our portfolios if we need to as new numbers come out. And that's just a reminder for people that this is one of the, August is one of the months of the year when we do a little bit more work than the normal and in other months during the year. Not really. Back in the days before QAV, when you only did a buy list, four or five yeah. times a year. Correct. <laughs> now we're doing it every week anyway. <laughs> Might have to do a couple more a week, but uh, yeah. Are you going to do a pulled pork? I am, yes. Hastily cobbled together before the show. You I forgot. St- tell everyone the story that you told me <laughs> off air. Uh, I roasted a pork last night for dinner and had the leftovers for lunch, and I'm eating pork going, oh, shit, I haven't done the pulled pork yet. <laughs> it's about an hour to go before the show. <laughs> had to <laughs> put that aside and do a pulled pork. You don't have to do a pulled pork every week, you know. Well, people pay, pay me not to. Oh, good. All right. Well, I'll stop. No, I've done it now. Maybe next oh, right. week. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Time is a construct after all. It doesn't really exist. Well, don't tell Einstein that. Otherwise, <laughs> E equals M times nothing squared. Speed of light. What's that got to do with time? It's speed. Yeah. Distance over time. That's what speed is. Uh... Meters per second. Take out the time element. Where's... What's light? What's it doing? 
Yeah, good point. All right. Space time, Tony. It's space time. Mm -hmm. Take the time dimension out. There's no space time. Everything just collapses in a big blob. Okay. Well, okay. So time isn't a construct. I'll take that back. All right. Pull pork time. I think I've done this company before, but I may have just mentioned it. It's Keener Securities, KSL. If I've done it before, it was years ago. Yeah. I'm going to do it again because it has appeared back on the buy list and it's just recently gone through a three-point turn across its buy line. It's a recent uptrend. So it's back on the, the buy list, very high up, and is, is buyable because it's in an uptrend. Uh, for people who don't know KSL, Keener Securities, it's a PNG bank, a local bank up there, as opposed to a branch of an Australian bank. Uh, it's, it's reasonably large in PNG terms, uh, 21 branch locations, and it's expanding into the Pacific. Um, and it also offers full banking services, so it supports investments and wealth management and business banking, etc. But it does have, have some strengths. One of the strengths is in fund administration, so it runs the platforms that the a lot of the big super funds and PNG use. And it's, it's from the very detailed research I did as I was eating my pork for lunch today, it seems to have a bit of an edge in technology and even does things that we're not doing in Australia, which is not surprising because the banks here are fairly retarded when it comes to technology. But, for example, in, the, in PNG, you can bank on a, a WhatsApp group application. So. Wow. Yeah, and they're, they're using that technology platform to expand into the, into the Pacific and also to get more of the remote PNG areas into banking. So they've done a lot with, with electronic banking, which sort of suits their, their profile. Last results in Feb, and they will report again soon, so these numbers may change, but they're growing quite, quite substantially. So new customers in the first half of this financial year were up 19% and housing loans were up 19%. SME growth was up 25% and profit was up 10%. So everything growing along nicely. ROE for this bank is 18%, which is good. And so, you know, one of the questions you might be asking is, why is it a value stock if everything's growing? We'll get to that in a sec. Uh, I'll, I'll go into the numbers now for this bank. ADT is, is not too bad, but not overly big. It's 150000 per day, so that will suit some of our listeners, but maybe too small for, for some as well. Share price when I did the analysis was $0.80, cents, um, which is less than consensus target. This stock at that share price has a yield of over 11%, which is um, just tremendous and higher than the bank stocks in Australia. Stock, stock Doctor have this financial health of this company is strong and recovering. And I spoke about recovering last week. So I, I imagine that COVID hit PNG pretty hard because it's basically a resource economy and all the mining camps were shut down and the fly-in, fly-out workers couldn't get in. But that's recovering now. So their, their finances are recovering. And as I said before, oftentimes when a comp company is in difficult financial circumstances they do focus a lot on what matters and, and get the cash flow up and the debt down and and costs under control so i do like seeing recovering financial health what else can i say about it the PE for this company is only 3.7 times which is the lowest in the last three years and the prop cash price to operating cash flow is only 1.5 times so very very low 
The share price is below IV1 and IV2, which we don't see very often. So this company is scoring very well on, on um, price and value metrics. And in fact, is is I think it's equal to, but maybe just below or has been just below two times that the IV2 is greater than two times the share price. So probably give an extra point for that. It's less, slightly less than book plus 30, which is 73 cents, and the share price is 80. So a little bit above that, but not too much. Now, now we come to the risk. So the forecast EPS growth on this company is negative, negative 23%. So it gets a minus one on our checklist for that. And I'll just park that and come back to it when I talk about risk for the stock in a minute. Other things it scores well for, it's a new three-point trend upturn, so it scores for that. It's consistently increasing equity, so it scores well for that. So all, all in all, quality is 16 out of 17 possible score, 94%, and the QAV is 0.63. So why is a growing bank so cheap? I think it's because the PNG government have just brought in a super profits tax for the banking sector. And so corporate tax for banks and PNG has increased from 30% to uh, So that's probably why I think people are saying the profit will decrease next year. But I'd say that, that could be true. But watch this space because the share price has ticked up in the last uh, little while, last few days. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if the banks have been negotiating with the government over this issue. And uh, we may may see a change of heart or some kind of uh, bone being thrown to the banks who will be hit hard by this tax increase by the government. Don't know, but let's, you know, it's banking, as much as we like to hate banks, the banking industry is necessary in, a, in an economy. And if you hit them too hard, that uh, can be the problem, not just for the shareholders, but also for the wider economy. And in fact, the CEO of Hina Securities came out and said, you know, he's he's basically scrapped the playlist this year and he's going to expand overseas internationally. And that's going to be his focus. So, you know, as we see all over the world, as soon as a law is made which hurts you, you pivot and do something to try and ameliorate that response. So, yeah, so that's that's the greatest risk is how much this hurts. But given there's some upside recently, I'm suspecting that there might be some movement in that text, but that's a prediction, who knows. Even without that, it's a good, solid company. It's growing really well and throwing off lots of cash. And yeah, it's near the top of our buy list. So, you know, people might want to watch, wait for the latest results, but check out KSL to get a chance. It was also on my Stockopedia version of the buy list this week. So I added it to my dummy portfolio oh. for Stockopedia. So oh, there you go. Okay. Let's hope the Paul Port curse is. Definitely over. And speaking of pulled pork, do you want to know when the last time was you did it as a pulled pork? The 31st of October, 2000. Oh, so nearly, well, three, two and a half years ago, three, nearly three years ago. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. 2019, when I say October, it was trading about uh, $1.40 at the time. It's now at 81 cents. So, However, well, you could have gotten out at a higher price. Yes. Went all the yeah. way up to $1.36. Yeah, and then COVID happened, and you would have real wondered and bought back mm-hmm. in maybe in the after COVID when it was like at seventy seven cents, and you've ridden it up. Who knows? <laughs> it's had a choppy run, but so have a lot yeah. of people. Yeah, good stuff. Thank you, TK, for that last minute pulled pork inspired mm-hmm. by your real pork. 
And that's the end of the free episode of QAV for this week. If you're a new listener, I just should let you know how this works. So we have a free episode every week, runs for about half an hour. We have a premium episode also every week. It goes for another 30 to 60 minutes, depending on how many questions we get. It's where Tony answers questions from our club members. If you want to check out the premium episodes and all the other benefits of being a QAV club member, which is access to the checklist and and the Bible and uh, the private Facebook groups and the other comms channels that we have, invites to the dinners, Zoom calls, etc., etc. Just sign up for the two-week free trial and check out all that stuff out. You can do that at qavpodcast.com.au. Look for the um, free trial button there. And if you like the idea of value investing QAV style but don't feel like you have the time or resources to learn how to do QAV for yourself, think about signing up for QAV Lite. That's our relatively new service where we send you the stock tips every week. And then we also monitor those stocks in a portfolio. And if they become a sell, we email our QAV Lite members and tell them that it's time to sell that stock and what to replace it with. Check that out too. It's sort of a low effort way of doing QAV. Still better if you know how to do it yourself, I think, because Tony could get hit by a bus and then where are you? But while he's not, we can do this. So check that out, qavpodcast.com.au slash light, L-I-G-H-T. If you don't want to sign up to any of those, just keep listening to the free episode. And if you have any questions, shoot me an email. You'll find that on our website too. All right. Have a great week and good luck with your investing. The QAV Podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 00129217. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions. Thank you.